Well, Christmas is almost here, but here's a new slash. There is nothing new this year about the Christmas story. Most all of us know it by heart. The stable, manger, Joseph and Mary, Bethlehem, the shepherds, the angels, the star, the wise men, and the baby. Nothing's changed from last year. But what if there was no stable? There was no manger, no Mary, no Joseph or Bethlehem. What if there were no shepherds or angels or star or wise men and no baby? What would the Christmas story be? It would be the gospel of John's account of the Christmas story. That's what it would be. 14 verses with no mention of a stable or a baby or a manger, but it is nonetheless the Christmas story. So with your Bibles, turn there with me to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. John 1, verses 1 to 14. We're going to read about John's account of the Christmas story. Beginning verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light. He came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth Now, one line from that text sticks out from all the rest, and it's the last one, verse 14. Here's the Christmas story in four words. Four words in English, four words in Greek, doesn't matter. This is the most profound truth of all truth. The word became flesh. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Not because of the physical features of the stable or the manger or the star or the young people or the shepherds or the wise men. They all participate, of course, in the physical, historical features of the birth of Christ. But the real story is that the Word became flesh. And so Christmas 2020, we're asking ourselves two questions. Number one, what does that mean? The Word became flesh. And what does it mean for me that the word became flesh? Now, some of you may be already thinking, you know, Jay, 
if, if, if you really want to know, I prefer the story of the baby in the manger over this one. And I understand. I got that. A baby in a manger and all those elements that we know all so well that we're very familiar with. They're charming. They're sentimental. They're really wonderful. I understand that. But far more important than understanding that is understanding what is really going on from the supernatural side of things. That side of truth. Because frankly, there was nothing supernatural apart from the angels' appearances. There was Neither was the stable supernatural, or the manger, or Mary of Joseph, or the shepherds, or the wise men, for that matter. But there is a supernatural reality in that story that is not seen with the naked eye. That John explains that is critical for us to know and to take to heart. The infinite, transcendent, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, everlastingly unchanging, eternal God of the universe became a human being. That's the message. Emmanuel is his name, which means God with us. And that is the essential truth of Christianity, the most essential truth of all truth, because it's the only truth that can save a man or woman, a sinner, from eternal hell. And John writes his gospel to get that truth across so that we can understand that Jesus came in human flesh. Again, Matthew and Luke, you know, they, they give us the earthly elements, the historical features. John gives us the heavenly truth, the supernatural truth of the message, and that is the deity of Christ. But why? Why did he come like this? So we come to question number one. What does this mean? And verse 14 helps us to answer that question by revealing four truths that focus on that truth. Let's look at John 1, 14 together, just that verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we be, have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, first then, what does it mean? The, the word became flesh. Truth number one, it means Jesus became human. And that's the most concise statement in all of the Bible of the incarnation. God became a man. The finite became infinite. The, the invisible became visible. And I want you to notice the link to verse one. Look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, cast your eyes down to verse 14 quickly. The Word became flesh. You see, the Word that always was now became a temporal event and a point in human history. You know, 2020, the year of our Lord. And notice this too. The Word was with God. Now, it came into being as human flesh, as a human being. Jesus became human as a visible expression of God to us. You, you want to know what God is like? Then you look no further than Jesus. Remember our walk through the Colossians, chapter 2, verse 9, perhaps the most important verse of all that, of the book. For in him, Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. 
The son did not cease to be God when he became a man. He added humanity, but he did not subtract from his deity. He was fully God and fully man, the God-man. And the wisdom of God, it spoke with, he spoke with human lips. And the mercy of God, he reached out with human hands. Jesus was God incarnate in human flesh. Why did he come like this? Jesus came to light the way to the Father. There's a story of a, of a little girl who was frightened one night in a very uh, loud thunderstorm. And she cried out to her daddy, help me. And her daddy in the room next door said, honey, God loves you. He'll take care of you. Well, the thunderstorm kept coming. It was a flash of lightning and another clap of thunder. And she said, Daddy. And from the other room, he said, once again, Honey, God loves you. He's going to take care of you. Well, the thunderstorm didn't quiet down. It continued steadily. And all of a sudden, she blurted out, Daddy. And her daddy's response was the same. But the little girl's response was quite different this time. She said, Daddy, I know that God loves me, but right now I need someone with skin on. When Jesus arrived, he was God with skin on. God became a man in human flesh to light the way to the Father. At Christmas, we sing... Charles Wesley's great hymn, which we sang earlier, Hark the Herald Angel Sings. Do you, do you remember this verse in particular? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God with us. That is such a, such a great verse, perhaps one of the greatest verses of all the Christmas carols, I think. Don't you think, Daryl? The eternal God becomes a man. And God speaks in human flesh. Well, John uses another phrase. Truth number two. Again, in verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt. John could have said the word lived among us, but he didn't. Instead, he used a rather unusual word. Translated literally means to pitch a tent. Or as the military folks call it, to bivouac. Or theologians, theologians define it as to tabernacle. In fact, the tabernacle was sometimes called what? The tent of meeting. Because that is where, that was the divinely appointed place where God and man would meet in the Old Testament. In the same way, in a very more deeper sense, Jesus is the place where we meet God today. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, for there is one man, there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. You see, it's only through Jesus as our high priest that we come to meet with God. Eugene Peterson, who writes the message, a paraphrase, says it this way. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. For 33 years, God moved into our cul-de-sac. Imagine that. God walked down your street. Just imagine that. Pitching a tent among us implies God wants to be familiar with us. 
He wants to be close. He wants to have interaction with us. If you come into my community and you build a large mansion with a big, big wall around it, you probably don't want to have much interaction with the people of that street. But if you set up a pitch a tent in my backyard, more than likely you're going to have a few meals with me. Probably going to use my bathroom quite a bit. And you probably have a lot of interaction with the kids in the street, the neighborhood kids, because they're they're going to be there. That's why God became human. He came to pitch a tent in our human backyard so that you and I would have a lot of dealings with him, a lot of interaction with him. Truth number three. To help explain why God came that way that he did with skin on, John speaks of the manifestation of God's glory. Look at this third portion of verse 14. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Again, Eugene Peterson rewords it like this. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son. And when John writes, we have seen, that word he uses there, seen, means to gaze intently, to look intently upon like, uh, like we do when we, when we look into a microscope in 7th and 8th grade and try to find those cells. You know, you're peering down into that. That's what the word means. The word glory refers to the visible manifestation of God's presence and his power. So it carries with it the, the idea of weight, the idea of importance when Jesus walked. So when Jesus walked on this earth, people could see, they could gaze upon intently, see God's presence shining through Jesus. And they saw and felt the importance and the weight of God in their lives. And just as there was no mistake, John Wright recorded seven signs, seven miracles throughout the book of the Gospel of John that all declare the glory of God. And when Jesus turned the water into wine, for example, the first miracle he did in the, at Cana of Galilee, when he turned that water into wine, John says that he, was, he thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. John 2. See, Jesus was not invisible or obscure. Or unapproachable. When you look at Jesus, you see the face of God. Because God wants to be seen and He wants to be known. So that when you hear Jesus teach, you hear God teach. And when you experience Jesus, you experience God. Because in Jesus, we see God. And He lights the way to the Father. Well, the fourth great truth that John offers in explaining the incarnation is this. Jesus became human. He dwelled among us. He revealed his glory. And fourthly, Jesus, his invitation is for real. There in verse 14 at the end is an invitation. A powerful word of invitation. He came to, to the earth full of grace and truth. What does it mean glory of the word was full of grace Full of truth. Well, Jesus offers you, he invites you to receive grace and truth. Grace is God's irresistible compulsion to give men more than what they deserve. Which springs from God's boundless generosity of his heart. 
Truth, on the other hand, has roots in divine determination. That God is consistent, that God's predictable, that he's thereby trustworthy in dealing with man. And these two words explain why he came to earth. Because he was full of grace, he died for you while you were still a sinner. And because he's full of truth, he's able to pay for our sins completely. Jesus came to light the way to the Father. So these four truths of John 14 explain what it means that he came in the flesh. So what does it mean for me? Question number two, what does it mean for me? Well, because God chose to reveal himself through Jesus, who was human, who dwelled among us, who revealed God's glory, and who offers this, you this invitation, what it means for you is this, good news. Because Jesus is graceful. He came just for you. And we can come to him just as we are. See, we don't have to clean ourselves up like they did in the Old Testament when they came to the tent of meeting to meet with God. They had to do all these ceremonial washings and do all that to make sure they're... You don't need to do that. You just come as you are. And because he's truthful, you can have complete confidence that when he says he pardons you for your sin completely, you can trust him for that. Because he means what he says. Jesus lights the way to the Father. So my question to you this morning is, which way are you going? Maybe this story will help shed some light. Uh, there's a story that Paul Harvey, a great storyteller, told on one of his radio broadcasts a long time ago. It's a tale that never grows old. Here's what he said. One raw winter night, the man heard an irregular thumping sound against the kitchen storm door. He went to a window and he watched as tiny, shivering sparrows, attracted to the evident warmth inside, beat against the vein and pane of glass. It touched his heart. The farmer bundled up and trudged through fresh snow to open the barn door for the struggling birds. He turned on the lights, he tossed some hay in the corner sprinkled a trail of saltine crackers to direct them to the barn. But the sparrows, which had scattered in all directions when he emerged from the house, still hid in the darkness, afraid of him. He tried various tactics, circling behind the birds to drive them toward the barn, tossing crumbs into the air toward them, retreating to the house to see if they would flutter to the barn on their own. Nothing worked. He, a huge alien creature, had terrified them. The birds could not understand that he actually desired to help. He withdrew to his house and he watched the doomed sparrows from the window. And as he stared, he, a thought hit him like, like lightning on a clear blue sky. If only I could become a bird, one of them, just for a moment then I wouldn't frighten them so. I could show them the way to warmth and safety. And it was at that moment, another thought dawned on him. He had grasped the whole principle of the incarnation. 
Paul Harvey. Good day. Like the farmer, Jesus came to light the way to the Father. A man becoming a bird is nothing compared to God becoming a man. The idea of a sovereign being as big or bigger than the universe that he created, confining himself to a human body, is for many too much for them to believe. And yet Christmas comes one time a year to draw people in from the cold and the darkness and into the light and into the warmth of the Savior. And like frightened sparrows, so many live their lives on the barren branches of despair and heartache and disappointment and loneliness. And my friend, if that's what defines you this morning, God becoming a man can change everything for you. Because Jesus came to light the way to the Father. That's what his coming means for you. He came to be involved. He came to be identify with your pain. He came to invite you to receive his offer of grace to you. According to the prestigious Journal of American Medical Association, this year has brought a threefold increase, increase in the rate of depression among U.S. adults not to mention young people. Medical doctor Brennan Spiegel said, the pandemic has also spawned a mental health crisis beyond anything I've seen for 25 years of caring for patients. During these dark days of COVID, some of you may be struggling with depression or some other mental illness. I want you to listen, listen. Depression is often a non-sinful affliction that the Lord treats with compassion. Jesus himself said that he would not break a bruised reed, Matthew 12, 20. So if you're struggling with depression this morning, it's the Lord Jesus and his church that are here to support you and to bless you and to come beside you as you walk in the darkness. At Grace Point, there's, there's Barnabas Care Team. Here at Grace Point, we have a team of people who have been trained to listen and to walk beside you with confidential care. There's a call you can make to the pastor on call. Each week is a pastor on call. You can call the church and speak to, the, speak to him. We also have trusted counselors in the area that we as pastors can refer to and that we believe can help as well. Or you can... D- Send an email, care at gracepointpa.org, care at gracepointpa.org, and someone will be there to listen and help. According to the Christmas story from John's gospel, Jesus became human, he dwelled among us, he revealed his glory, and he invites you to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Tell the burden of your heart to him because he already knows and he already understands. He suffered too while he was here. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead to give you life eternal. So there now in John 1.14 is the Christmas story. Without any shepherds, without a manger or stable or Joseph or Mary, not even a baby. 
This is the divine story. See, lots of people believe in the manger. Lots of people believe in the shepherds and in the wise men and star and the angel. But the question is, do you believe in the son of God? Jesus, who came to light the way to the father, who said in John 14, verse six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. See, lots of people believe in the sentiments regarding the the baby in a manger. But in John 20, 21, John closes his book with this. He says, there are written, these are written, all of the book, all the gospel of John, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus lights the way, dear Heavenly Father. Don't loom in the darkness another day. Today is the day to come to the light. The light was ascended to earth from the Father to bring light, to bring salvation to those who will trust in him and believe on him. So stop running and stop scattering and receive the grace and the truth and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes for you today. Let's pray. Father, if there is one listening to the message of truth today from John chapter 1, who is struggling while living in the darkness, Lord, I pray that you would turn their heart this moment to you to confess their sin, to confess their emptiness and despair. Please, Lord, give them hope while they accept your gift of grace and truth, having sent Jesus to die for their sin. And may they follow the light of Jesus and come to the Father whose arms are already outstretched and ready to receive them into the presence today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining with us today at Grace Point. May God fill your week with blessing and hope as we celebrate the birth of our King. And to all of you, Kim and I just want to wish you a very Merry Christmas.